All right, well, we are getting close to finishing up our series in Joshua. We got next week as we will finish. I hope you all have enjoyed walking through this book. One of the stories I read this weekend in 1797, the governor of Louisiana granted Daniel Boone 10,000 acres of land in Missouri. However, he failed to make the trip to New Orleans to complete the title. This was back before Missouri was a state. He instead became distracted by an opportunity to be appointed chief of the district of St. Charles. While he was preoccupied with other affairs, squatters intruded on his land in Missouri. And when he finally filed to complete the title, his claim was rejected because of, quote, his failure to complete his title of gift and his failure to occupy the land that was claimed. You see, in the law of homesteading, if a claimant failed to occupy a piece of property for a specific period of time, then the land would be forfeited and made available to other settlers. That was the, the time back in uh, Daniel Boone's time. And this morning we're going to see how the Israelites actually had the same kind of failure as Daniel Boone. They succumbed to temptation. And by their failure to fully occupy the land, they forfeited their right to Canaan. The motivation for this forfeiture was not much different than it was for Daniel Boone. We're going to see here their failure to entirely conquer the land. If you remember, when we started this series, we gave you a, a short section at the beginning of this series that answered the question, why could the nation of Israel just not move into the land and be good neighbors with all of the existing inhabitants of the land? And we read a verse, I'm going to read to you again today, that explains why God told them to conquer the land. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 16. But in the cities of these people, the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. You shall save alive nothing that breathes, but you shall devote them to complete destruction. The Hittites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded. Why is that? Verse 18. They have that they may not teach you to do according to all their abominable practices that they have done for their gods. And so you sin against the Lord your God. If you remember at the beginning of the series, we read this verse and it explained why the nation of Israel could not just settle in the land and become an inhabitant of the land. We explained how those gods that these nations served was a god named Molech and how it was a god that you worshipped it by sacrificing babies on the altar of Molech and this was something that was an abominable practice to the Lord. God knew if they didn't completely destroy these people that the nation of Israel would slowly start to worship their pagan gods and that is exactly what happened as we are going to look at today as we get close to the end of this series. So let's take a moment to consider how the Israelites had gone from, you know, tired and begun serving other pleasures and thus failing to occupy their inheritance. Joshua chapter 
16, verse 9 and 10. This is going to emphasize the failure of one of the 12 tribes, Ephraim. Together with the towns that were set apart for the people of Ephraim, within the inheritance of the Manassasites, all of those towns with their villages. However, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived at Gezer. So the Canaanites have lived in the midst of Ephraim to this day, but have been made to do forced labor. So, one of the tribes, Ephraim, we are told, allowed the Canaanites to live among them, and they made them forced laborers. Why not let someone else do all of the hard work? We've got these people here. We can make them plow our fields. We can make them do all of the hard work, and we can just sit back and enjoy the pleasure. You know, at some moment, they looked at it and said, yeah, we're stronger than these people. We'll just subjugate them. Now, take a look at the, the failure of Manasseh, which is found in the next chapter, in Joshua chapter 17. Now, if you remember, Ephraim and Manasseh, these were the two sons of Joseph that God gave these two tribes. It says, yet the people of Manasseh could not take possession of those cities, but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. Now, when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. Same thing. See the Canaanites. Let's just make them work for us. They says they are unable to drive out the Canaanites. Perhaps maybe they had no help from their Ephraite tribe neighbors who had an inheritance among them. Together, though, they would have the strength in numbers to eradicate the Canaanites. We read, however, that when the Israelites of Manasseh grew strong enough, instead of obeying the command of the Lord, which was to utterly wipe them out, they said, we know better. We'll just use them. We will use them. And Canaanites become laborers. Now we're going to examine a more detailed account to see how this disobedience continued to plague the tribes of Israel to occupy and drive out the others. We move to Judges chapter 1, verse 27. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bashan and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Ibelium and, and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. For the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in the land. When Israel drew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. Verse 28 there should say, when Israel grew strong, they, uttered, they obeyed the word of the Lord and, drive them, and drew them out completely. That's what that verse should have said. But it said they did not drive them out completely. Verse 29, and Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer, so the Canaanites lived in Gezer among them. Verse 30, another tribe, Zebulon, this is the third of the 12 tribes, did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of Naalah. So the Canaanites lived among them, but became subject to forced labor. A fourth tribe, verse 31, Asher, did not drive out the inhabitants of Akko or the inhabitants of Sidon or Elab or Achiz or Helba or Aphik or Rehob. So the Azurites lived among the Canaanites the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. A fifth tribe, verse 33, 
Naphtali, did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, or the inhabitants of Bethanah. So they lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and the inhabitants of Beth Anah became subject to forced labor for them. See a trend here. We've got five of the 12 tribes of Israel who have decided they are not going to obey the command of the Lord. What was the command of the Lord again? Conquer the land. Drive out the inhabitants of the land. And so they allowed the Canaanites to live among them. And the main reason they took this is because they wanted them to become subjects of forced labor, meaning they wanted to tax them. They wanted them to work the land. The great Bible commentator Matthew Henry stated this. He says, by putting them under tribute, it shows that they spared them out of covetousness, that they may, not, that they may profit by their labors. And by dealing with them for their tribute, they were in danger of being infected with their idolatry. So not only did they want the Canaanites to do all of their work, but they wanted to then allow them to contribute to their comfortable lifestyle. The Israelites have become distracted from their purpose of conquest in their desire for peace and comfort. They sought a more luxurious existence with the eaves of someone else doing all of the work and paying their way. And the repose of running from battle and confrontation. Ephraim and Manasseh had received a great blessing from their father Jacob in which he stated that they would grow in a great multitude in the midst of the earth in Genesis chapter 46. Like Esau, they forfeited their blessing for that. They, the way in which they would grow into a great multitude was by taking possession of their inheritance and driving out the Canaanites to make room for their own expansion. However, they decided to take the easy way out, which was cheap labor, and taxation among the Canaanites. You see, God has called all of us to something this morning. Every single person in this room, we have been called by God. The Lord has called us to, a, to, to follow a calling, and we are presently in the process of taking possession of the land of inheritance that God has given to us in our life. You know, sometimes tiredness will result in wanting to take the easy road, whether that is giving up early, growing lax and sharing our faith, deciding to throw in the towel with a rebellious child, or on a marriage that has become difficult. Do not grow weary in the battle. We're going to see here that the incompletion of the conquest will come back to bite you. It will come back to bite you as it does the nation of Israel. We need to realize that failure to complete the conquest has serious consequences, including the forfeiture of our God-given inheritance and blessing. Let's read in Judges chapter 3. What happens to the nation of Israel because of their disobedience to conquer the land? Verse 5 of Judges chapter 3. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So let's pause there for a second. 
Let's go back to that Deuteronomy verse that we read at the beginning of the message. Those are the same nations that God told them to drive out. If you mirror them, it's the same ones there. They didn't completely drive out a single one of them. They all still occupy the land. This is the next part, verse 6. God knew this would happen. And their daughters they took to themselves for wives. And their own daughters they gave to their sons and served their gods. So what happened here? They intermarried with those nations. Verse 7. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord, their God, and who did they serve? The very gods that God told them to eradicate. Baal and Asheroth. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan, Roshathim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan, Roshathim for eight years. You see, failure to obey God has consequences. It comes back to bite you. Choosing instead to allow some to abide among them, they had to face the consequences. They had grown tired of war. They'd been in the wilderness for 40 years. They'd been fighting to remove people from the land. And they began to ask the question that so many people pose today. Why can't we just all live in peace? We're the stronger people. Let's just subjugate them. Let's make them do all of the labor. And people often fantasize about peace. The perception of peace is the result of compromising somewhere. Christian author and pastor John Piper states, life is war. That's not all it is, but it is always that. Most people do not believe this in their heart. Most people show by their priorities and their casual approach to spiritual things that they believe we are in peacetime, not wartime. You see, the apostle Paul tells us that there is a spiritual war that is raging around us all the time. It is always there. You see, Christians in America today find themselves as in a similar place as the nation of Israel. We live in an, a society who is just an I-don't-care society. Let's just live and let live. We just want to be left alone in peace, not realizing all around us there is a demonic war that is attacking you, your family, our church, our community. And yet we have the attitude of the nation of Israel of let's just sit back and make peace. You don't make peace with demonic activity. It does not happen. You see, there, is, there has been a war on truth happening in our society for more than 50 years. We are losing this war so badly that even Christians are deceived by the lies of the devil. The devil's gotten so good at twisting truth that we look at things that are said in our world and we believe them to be truth because our eyes have been so deceived. 
There is a war on our bodies and people believing the lie that they are something different than what God has created them to be. And we have been lulled into believing that if we just stay quiet, that we'll be able to live our lives in peace. But you see, that is not how the devil works. That is not. The Israelites had compromised and submitted to the idea of tolerance, allowing everyone to believe what they wanted to believe. The lies of those gods of the land, the Asherah and the Baals. You know, these gods continued to plague the nation of Israel for their entire existence. That was the consequence of the disobedience all the way back here in Joshua and Judges. Who was it that Elijah fought on Mount Carmel? The prophets of Baal. You might hear it called Baal. Jezebel worshipped these gods. Why was it that God allowed the northern tribes of Israel to be taken off into captivity? Because their worship of these gods. All of the Old Testament history was changed because they did not obey the word of the Lord and conquer the land. They had been commanded, however, to remove all of the inhabitants because they were, but because they were tired of fighting, they disobeyed the Lord and they set up their history of their nation to be completely changed. You see, the Canaanite religions infiltrated the Israelites and contaminated their pure devotion to the Lord. The Jews eventually became so accustomed to the sinful ways of their pagan neighbors that those didn't seem sinful anymore. Sounds kind of like our society today. Things that we used to look at and completely be disgusted by are now redefined to things like minor attracted persons. You see how the devil works? You see how he takes something that is absolutely demonic and changes it to where it seems like it's okay and acceptable. The Jews then became interested in how their neighbors worshiped until finally Israel started to live like their enemies and imitate their ways. For believers, the first step away from the Lord, as we look in Scripture, our first step is friendship with the world, as James says in James 4, for the brother of Jesus. We begin to, like the Israelites, let's just make peace. Let's just compromise on the truth and become friends with the world. Number two, we become spotted with the world. Then we become starting to become associated with it, as James says in James chapter 1. Then 1 John says, we love the world. These things that used to disgust us, we are now starting to fall in love with. 
In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says, number four, we are conformed to this world. We are just like it. And then number five, we become condemned with the world, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians. You see, failing to fully occupy the land in our lives will come back to bite us. It will lead to losing our promised inheritance and all that we work for, and as a result, spiritual bondage. We read how Israel was eventually enslaved by the king of Mesopotamia to serve them for eight years. Just a little side historical note. You want me to tell you who it was that rescued them and broke the yoke off of the nation of Israel from the king of Mesopotamia? Caleb's little brother. Man, what a, what a good job that dad did. Caleb's little brother is the one that raised up an army to deliver them. We must not allow fatigue to keep us from continuing to fight for the land that God has called us to claim in his name. We must not compromise our calling, our beliefs, and take easy way out. We must give it our best or our best will be given away. Perhaps we've been serving the Lord in a certain task or location for quite some time and we've seen little results. We might be tempted to think, well, if these people want to do their own thing, then let them. I'm tired of trying. Let me remind us all that the Lord did not give up on pursuing us, did he? No, he didn't. He did not give up on pursuing us. Thank Jesus, he did not. Therefore, we cannot give up on pursuing him and others. We cannot give up on sharing his love with others who are running in the opposite direction of him. We must persevere in faithful service in order to hear the word of the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You see, expansion of our spiritual borders is the result of our faithfulness to obey the Lord in each and every step of the way, even when the road is rocky and the opposition is intense. Let us not grow weary and give up on the task set before us. Let us not compromise our message and mix it with the tenets of other religions to make it more acceptable to the Lord. Let us be sure to complete our God-given job be res resolute in it you see the greeks had a race in their olympic games that was unique and i think this is where paul when he wrote we'll look at in a second where he got this from the winner was not the one who finished first it was the runner who finished with his torch still lit I think Paul said, I want to run all the way with the flame of my torch still lit for him. We were called to be the light of the world, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. Let us not arrive at the end of our race with our torch doused with apathy or blown out by the winds of compromise. So the apostle Paul said in Hebrews chapter 12, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul's saying, Jesus came and conquered what he set out to do, and that was sin, death, and hell. He was faithful to endure the cross, the great shame, and finish the race strong. So I ask you today, will you conquer the land in your life? Each of us have been given a land in our lives to conquer, to fight against, something that we cannot succumb to and justify why we're going to make peace with it. You know, for the men sitting here today, I think the question is, will you stay pure in your thoughts and in your viewing this week? We have such, the devil and his demons are fighting so hard against the minds of the men in this world, especially Christian men, of what they throw on TV, what you see on social media, the easy access you have to sites on the internet. Will you conquer that land in your life? Because if you don't, it will destroy you. And there will be ramifications upon your children. Husbands, will you be loving to your, to your wives this week? Show them the love of Christ and what it means to be a loving husband. Wives, Will you show grace and patience and respect to your husbands? Women, will you allow your hearts not to be filled with jealousy when you look around at what others may have or how they look? Dads and moms, will you instruct the children God has blessed you with in the word of the Lord? These are all areas that God has given us as lands to conquer in our lives because the devil is creeping in little by little when we allow him to. We cannot give over these portions of land in our lives as the enemy, the devil, is looking to subjugate us. Will you faithfully obey his will to possess the land to which you have been led? You must be faithful to complete the conquest in order to inherit the land. You know, the promised land to which all people are called is greater than some piece of dirt sitting over in the Middle East. It's, it's a gray area. I've been there three times to Israel. It's a beautiful land. But we as Christians have a much greater that we have been called to. We've been called to heaven in Matthew chapter 7 Jesus says enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter it enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few conquering the land becoming a follower of Christ looking to him for salvation is not easy. So many people reject the way to life because they would rather live a life of peace 
and ease and tolerance and compromise right now. But what scripture tells us is that leads to a way of destruction. But if you desire forgiveness of your sins and eternal life, we must choose Jesus. And by choosing him and deciding to become his followers, we receive the inheritance of heaven. Man, what a great, great promise to us. Famous verse, I'll close with this, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Do you know the Lord as your Savior? Have you asked him into your life to forgive you of your sins and take up residence and be your Savior? If you have not, allow today to be your day of salvation. Let's pray.